Well, hello and welcome to the Practical Worship Podcast. I'm Dave Dolphin, and this is a show designed to help you lead a worship band and be a leader of people. And we release a new episode on the first Friday of every month, so make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on whatever app that you're using to listen to your podcast. Thank you so much for being here and spending time with me. And welcome to episode number eight. Our guest today is Todd Fields. Todd is a worship leader who's probably most well-known for the two decades that he spent at North Point Community Church in the Atlanta area, leading their worship ministry with Andy Stanley as their lead pastor. But before that, there was 722, which was a weekly single adult Bible study led by Louis Giglio that Todd was a part of. And then Todd also spent some time as the worship pastor at Epic Church in San Francisco on the other side of the U.S. And then over the last few years, Todd has been leading this community called Worship Circle, which is a mentoring ministry where worship leaders from around the world spend time and learn from other seasoned worship leaders like Christy Knuckles and Kim Walker-Smith and Paul Balash, Jeremy Riddle and Meredith Andrews. So all that to say, Todd has a ton of wisdom when it comes to not only worship ministry, but specifically pouring into others and developing the worship leaders around him. And that's the conversation I want to have in this episode. How can we, as worship leaders, as worship ministry leaders, pour into the people in our ministries? How can we see the people around us, the people in our worship bands, the the people in the tech booth, as more than just the instrument that they play or the computer that they use or the microphone that they hold in their hand. Todd has spent many years at North Point specifically developing the other worship leaders on the team, and this is something that we all can do. So that's the heart of this conversation. But first, the product of the month is Core Sound Pads. Pads are these uh, ambient, droney keyboard sounds that you can play in the background when you're leading worship, whether you're with a full band or if it's just you and your acoustic or on a piano. And the cool thing about pads is that you don't have to worry about the chords. As long as you pick the pad that's in the correct key, all of those chords are going to fit and it's going to sound really nice with that pad, make it nice and lush. It's kind of like, pads are like the mortar in a brick wall. It just fills in the cracks. And especially if it's just you and your acoustic, you know, you could run tracks and make it sound fuller, but then it feels overproduced and kind of fake and that doesn't work but even if it's just you and one instrument adding those pads adds just enough thickness but it doesn't seem like super over the top now there's a lot of places that will sell you pads and a lot of great options that are out there the thing i like about core sound pads specifically is that they have their own app as well because in the past i have used pads and then once you get them now you have to figure out how to use these things whether you put them into ableton or you download another app and then you have to put those pads into Dropbox and then link your Dropbox to the app and all these different things. No, you just download their app and then you select the pads that you want and it's all good to go. It's super easy to set up. You can uh, select your songs and what pads you want to use and what keys they are in and then when it's time to build the set list, you just grab the songs and you've already done the decision making of the different pads that they have. Some of them are dark, some of them are bright, some of them are real big and lush, some of them are small and simple. And if you download the app, all of the pads are available in the key of D 
in that app. So you can start testing it out and playing with it and seeing which ones that you like. Is this going to fit your workflow? And then you can either buy the pads directly in the app or you can buy bundles on their website. And then when you go back to the app, they all show up. If you use the promo code practical, you can get 20% off of the order. And that's not just like a one time. Every single time you go to the website and you use that promo code practical, you're going to get 20% off. I'll put a link to Core Sound Pads in the show notes. In fact, as we mention things throughout the entire episode, we'll put links to other things that we talk about in the show notes as well. You can find those at practicalworshiplog.com slash podcast eight. And now my conversation with Todd Fields. Todd Fields, welcome to the show. Dave, it's so good to be with you today, man. Thanks for having me. Man, I've been watching you just from afar through Twitter, and I've been watching, you know, you spent a lot of time in Atlanta, and then most recently have gone off to to California, but then I I see a tweet or whatever, and I'm like, he's back. And it's like, all of a sudden, he's like, he's back in Atlanta. I guess, you know, the the, the adage of... uh, you know, you can take, uh, you know, the, the bulldogs out of the man, but uh, I guess you can't even take the bulldogs out of the man. Like, you know, because as quickly as you went that direction, like you came back, there's just there's something about home, isn't there? Yeah, man, that deep, deep roots here in the south, deep roots in Atlanta. And God opened the door for an awesome experience on the West Coast for us after a couple of decades of serving at North Point Community Church and Love so many people here in this city and met some amazing new friends who will be friends for life on the West Coast. But um, it was just the best move for the family. There's six of us, four boys, my wife Carrie and me, and um, just to be back in the schools they were in. And, you know, we had, we came home. Well, and, and I don't know if uh, I'm here in Oklahoma City and there is something about the South, like it just gets your hooks in you yeah, right i have seen people i have friends that uh that came to oklahoma for for grad school and when we first met them they're like yeah as soon as i can get this degree in two years we're getting out of here we're just nothing personal we're just getting out of here right. and that was like 10 years and two kids and two houses later and they're like finally having to leave you know, like kicking and screaming exactly and there's just there's something about the south yeah you know, I know I drove a moving truck from San Francisco through every state on Route 66 all the way into, you know, Oklahoma. When we hit Oklahoma, I saw some green trees, and I was like, yes, Lord. <laughs> and we kept coming into Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, and, it, you know, the rolling hills and the whole deal. And just the four distinct seasons, I mean, I think for all of us, it does our soul well to um, be around the people that have been home for us. You know, you can have a cup of coffee with somebody that, that you don't really have to tell your long story to. They've been with you on the journey and that's really a good place to be. Surround yourself with people that you have history with. Yeah. Home's just a good place. It is. Well, I've watched you, like I said beforehand, I've, there was a time where I would be sitting in the green room at 10 o'clock, which is like the Sunday school hour at, at the church I was at. And because I'm in central time and North Point's in Eastern time, I was able to catch live the 11 o'clock service. Yeah. And so a lot of times I'd sit there just because I, you know, I'm like a lot of us, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at different churches and their services and trying to get ideas and inspirations and things like that. And so, you know, week after week, I'm watching North Point just to kind of see what they're doing and what can I learn. And every now and then here's this Todd Fields guy. 
And uh, and I didn't know much more than that. I might have heard the name here and there, but then uh, I, I could just and I know and I can't even explain why. I felt this. And now, a little bit later, I, I did some digging and kind of learned there's that connection with 722 and that you, even your title there at North Point had to do with development of leaders. But there was just something about like when you were on that stage, I could tell that you were the glue. Like you there, – there was a leadership thing happening behind the scenes that when it wasn't your weekend to lead, you were probably somewhere in the green room and watching a screen, watching these people, waving your fist in the air going, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like when they knocked it out of the park, like you felt that. So I, I wanted to take a moment and just kind of have a conversation about just how you have poured into these leaders because over these last several decades, you've had you know the opportunity to be with some people that you've been able to, to pour into – would you say that pouring into people like it's something like was it something that someone said, hey, Todd, I need you to do this? Or did you just start naturally doing it and not even realizing that you were being a mentor, so to speak, to these people? Pouring into leaders didn't come really natural for me. And before I say, say that, I wonder if really you, I wonder if you were watching the episode or the live feed the Sunday that I forgot the lyrics to the song Furious by no. um, Riddle. And literally, the cameras were on me. I were live on the internet, and I totally forgot them, and I had to stop the song. And I say that just to start, because we're all human and we make mistakes. And <laughs> it was it was one of those endearing moments where uh, I forgot the lyrics. But honestly, Dave, for me, you know, I think we all start out, and we want to make a name for ourselves. You know, I think every guy listening, every woman, it's like, who am I? God wants you put me here. I want people to know what I do, what you've put in me to do. So, you know, for the earlier days of my worship leading, I, I, I mean, I care, totally cared about other leaders, but it was like, there's this piece of you that's ridiculously insecure and you're kind of going, are my songs good enough? How was my leading? You know, Hey Andy, did you like this? Or Hey Louie, did you like that? You know, there's that thing we all deal with of, you know, how did I do? And so you're trying to make your way, and you're trying to kind of make your name and do your thing, and you want people to go, oh, that's Todd, I know who he is. We want to be known. But um, when I turned 40, um, it was kind of like a hitting a, a wall in a good way, like a, a breaking where um, the church just asked me, hey, we need more leaders uh, in our environments to be, to be developed. You know, and Andy said years ago, he said, if you replace yourself, you'll always have a job. And I was like, well, how do you, how do you have a job? That seems so backwards. <laughs> I know. I'm like, how do I have a job if I can get rid of myself? You know. But I think, you know, in his wisdom, he understood that, you know, when, you, when you're able to train someone up to do what you do, when you're able to pass your DNA and your heart and your mind and your skill onto that person, you can do it again. You've proven that you can replicate. So... That started a journey at 40 where I just started walking beside leaders, um, you know, month after month with them and discipling them and watching video of them leading. Little did I know it would lead to me having more impact on other leaders of coaching and training and that kind of thing. But it wasn't something that I woke up at 40 and said, yippee, I can't wait to do this. I wanted the hit songs. I wanted the you know, I wanted to be going all over the place and people saying, oh, that that's Todd. He wrote this and this. And I know him because I think that's in all of us. You know, it's just part of 
what we you know want. Yeah, and we want that target on the wall. And yeah, I mean, like you said, you want to know that you've made a difference. Yeah. And it's really easy to to think, okay, they're singing my song or my name is here or or whatever. And 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 not. I think we all are quick to say, like, we don't we we don't want the attention on ourselves, but we want significance. We want importance. And yeah. here you are in a situation where. A lot of that significant importance actually got poured into other people right. so that those people could do what they did. And now instead of there just being one Todd Fields, there's like 20 Todd Fields. <laughs> no. Well, a friend of mine, um, Howard Bowen, he was just he sat down with me at lunch with me one day during that time. And I was just crushed because I had just come out with an, a record. It was a self-titled worship album. And. My thought was, hey, I'm going to keep writing, and I'm going to tour, and I'm going to do this thing, and I'm going to get out there more. And um, He just posed this question. He said, Todd, what if instead of just your one life impacting a bunch of people, what if you could train and help other lives to impact more people? And see, he could see scale. He could see kingdom mindset with leadership, and I'm thinking— but what about me and my thing? You know, what about <laughs> like, me? It was a it was a turning point in my life. My wife Carrie would tell you, like there were tears shed, and I'm like, God, what are you doing? I thought I was gonna do this and write more songs and you know, be a worship artist, and the church is saying, but we need you to do this. And you know, I would not looking back, I wouldn't change a thing because of of the ripples that I see came from me just saying, Lord, I'll, I'll follow this call and I'll do this job they're asking me to do. And, you know, I turn around and I've got so many dear friends I've able, been able to walk beside, you know, just to kind of get behind and cheer on. So it sounds like you were put in a room. It kind of sounds like every sports movie where it's like reluctantly, okay, I guess I'm your coach. Yeah. But like, at what point did it turn for you that as you were pouring into these people and pouring into these leaders that you started to see maybe like the effects of what you were doing, how God was working through you? How how did you see that turn? I did a um, I did an outdoor kind of a half day retreat with some North Point worship leaders, and I had been working really hard for a couple of years, just pouring into leader after leader and spending time with them at coffees and lunches and going through books together, evaluating videos. So I was slowly building relationship with different leaders. And I'll never forget a friend of mine, Elliot Moon, we were on the top of Stone Mountain, and I was just kind of speaking to this whole crew of awesome people who I love dearly. And I got we got done, and Elliot texted me that, that day, and he said, bro, you're a pastor. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what? You know, because I didn't like I didn't sign up to say, hey, I want to be a pastor. Right. Like no one. I don't, some people do. And it wasn't like this audible voice from God to say, hey, I want you to be a pastor. And it wasn't in the sense of go start a church. But he said, man, your heart for these precious musicians and, you know, people that are seeing the truth over people and going before God on their behalf, your heart for them. You're a pastor like you love them. And it just opened my eyes to this thing of, he's right. I really do care about these people. And I wouldn't say, hey, you're mine, but I would say it was a joy to take a student or a guy in college and try to help him learn that with the story that God had given him in his life, he was more than a song puppet. He was more than just a guy that somebody said, hey, sing this song. And we struggle with that now, even to this day. You know, it's like, I want worship leaders to know that 
they have such a crazy, amazing opportunity to literally wreak havoc on the enemy by declaring the redeemed message of Jesus in their life personally to the people they stand before week after week. So again, I saw it at that point. It wasn't like some epiphany, but people around me just said, I see you coming alive, pouring into these leaders, and I can tell you're fighting for them. And it's just been my joy to do that over the years, you know, along the way. And um, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a different kind of fun. It's also fun to write a great song and have people sing it. That's an honor. But it's, man, when you can impact a life and that person can carry the message that you taught them and help use those tools that breaks chains and, and the bondage that families have, it's a powerful thing. It's, it's just been a joy to do. So when you're uh, like working with people and and you and you have your team, like how did you how did you see the potential in them? Because different people are going to have different potential. This isn't to make Todd Fields clones, right? But to be able to see, okay, to look inside and say, okay, there's untapped potential here. How did you begin to look for that, and then to be able to pull that out of the people that were around you? Well, there's not like a, I mean, there's some great books on worship leading, but I think for a lot of worship leaders and team members, we emulate what we see, you know, and whether it's a record we've listened to, sorry, I'm an old person, (laughs) or whether it's something we've streamed. I still, Um, I still call it a record. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's a recording. It's short for recording. But, um, I think the two biggest things that, that leaders need to know, and this is musicians or people with a microphone is you need to be your authentic self. Just be you. You don't need to be Carrie Job. You don't need to be Chris Tomlin. You don't. And I, you know, I would find myself even emulating other leaders that I look up to, and sometimes forgetting that the person, the people, and the audience need me to be is me. Yeah, they need to know that you know I have four kids. They need to know that my wife Carrie and I just had an anniversary. They need to. It's like be you. It's not some scary thing to get up on the stage with a microphone or. To, lead people in worship. We're just trying to break down barriers. And one of the quickest things we can do is just become comfortable with who God made us. And I always love it. You know, if you're a mom and you lead worship, be a mom. Tell mom stories. You know, the people you're leading need to know that you're just like them because in them understanding and seeing that you're just like them, then you can take their hand and say, okay, we're the same. Now check this out. Then you can point them to the Lord. And then that's the second part. You need to understand who you are authentically. And then secondly, you need to understand who you are in Christ. Because that changed my life when I understood that I was crucified with Christ, raised with Him, that His life in me was my hope, and that could not be taken away. And then I'm now seated at the right hand of the Father. That's one of the, Those two things are huge for, in coaching worship leaders. So I, I, like, I think a lot of coaching, Dave, and a lot of helping train and build these leaders up is just whispering and reminding them constantly, like, you're amazing as who you are. You're unique. Your personality, your voice, your story. God, it's not an accident that God created you just like you are. You don't need to strive. You know, you can work on improving vocals. We can all do different things to help better ourselves and our skills. But just be who God created you to be. That's that's how you're going to reach the most people. And just being able to maybe... Like you said, just it, it's not like 
big shifts. It's, it's just like a little bit of, you know, whispering in their ear, just little bits here and there over, yeah. over time and, and helping them to, I don't know, maybe find that confidence that what is inside of them is worth something. You know, those mom stories or being able to share that. So Dave, I had a guy I was coaching years ago and I'll never forget this. Um, you know, and one of the things we do in coaching is we just watch video and we try to give feedback and we try to help just tear down walls so that they can confidently walk up on stage and be be uh, ready to speak. And I knew this guy, he had just gotten engaged like on Friday or Saturday, I don't remember, before he was leading on Sunday. So your normal worship leader would get up on a Sunday like that and say, hey, welcome to so-and-so church. It's time to worship. Let's sing. And I was... I don't remember his name, John. Let's just call him John. I was like, John, you can do that. That's normal. That's like what everybody does. Or you can say, good morning, my name is John, and I got engaged this weekend. <laughs> and, and he said that, and the entire place just erupted in applause. And the minute you make a personal connection with the audience as a leader, the walls just go down, and their heart begins to open. And trust, trust is formed. So a lot of coaching is just saying, hey, let's think about things we can do that are going to allow you to connect best to the people you're leading. Because once you make that connection, whether it's a funny story or it's just, hey, I got married, you know, I got married this last week and we went on our honeymoon. People want to celebrate with you. And then you can always tie it back into, you know, what God has for you that day. But Yeah, exactly. Okay, so put yourself maybe in the shoes of a worship leader at a small or a medium-sized church. And they their day-to-day is just trying to get four songs on the stage. Any kind of recruiting or pouring into leaders is going to be maybe in a place of desperation. Of Man, I have to have a bass player, so i got to find a bass player, and these are the notes I need you to play. And then they see something that, that maybe a North Point does and go, I love that and I appreciate that, but I'm so far away from that. How would you encourage that leader, that worship leader, leading that worship ministry to continue to grow? grow and to pour into the people within that ministry. Yeah. Dave, so much of leadership is calling out gifting. And, you know, you have to pray for discernment in that. But one of the things that I think we often make a mistake of is we, we you really have to decide what kind of quality or standard you're going to shoot for. Um, so there's a standard and quality issue, and then there's the people issue, which is huge because God loves people. So, you know, there's all kind of people that can get on a stage and you can hand them an instrument and they can make some kind of sound or try to play. You can try to shepherd that or corral that. The other thing you can do, um, which that's what most people do. I would rather, and I've told people this for years, I would rather have one person on a piano who has... um, just the gifting of worship leading and playing music. And it's just like when they play, people listen, they follow because they're, they've got that gift. They're just amazing. Then trying to, um, you know, misallocate gifting. And what I mean by that, and this is something I've had to do in church. So I want people to hear me clearly when I say it. I think that oftentimes with the stage, we try to put, we just try to put something together and say, Hey, we're going to have a band. If you love Jesus, show up and you can be in the band. (laughs) It's like, I mean, we all love Jesus and we all want to serve. And so many people would love to try to play music and would love to try to be on stage. There's so many, you know, reasons why. 
People honestly just want to say, God, use my gift. But one of the things that I've discovered is if you really want things to be great musically, um, you have to find the people who the load is light. I have this saying I I made up. It's kind of goofy. Um, When someone's doing something that is not their gifting, we say, when will this end? Don't do it again. It's like... Bro, no matter how many times I try to tell you how to play the drum beat, you're not locking in. And it's like, no matter how many lessons you have, it's, you know, you're not able to play with a click, whatever. That's an example. And I'm not calling out drummers. It's just an example. Um, When someone operates within their gifting, the load is light. The feel is right. And it's like, you just know, like, you know, when somebody gets up to lead and they sing and you're going wow, that's captivating and it's connecting. It, it, like they're getting out of the way because it's not at all distracting. It's just, man, this is great. Um, those are those people that have that gifting. One of the disservices I think we do to people, and I'm, I kind of get on a soapbox about this, is sometimes we think, well, I've got to have a full band, so we've got to put people up there. And I want to say, no, you don't. <laughs> like maybe you've got two acoustic guitar players that are awesome and two vocalists that are amazing and that's their gifting. And when they play, everybody goes, they're really good. And it's, it's not hard for them to knock it out, to do it. Um, a lot of times it's best to, to lovingly, and I've had to do this before say, Hey, just as I listen, just as I look, just as I look at the standard we're headed for, you're going to be really frustrated with where we're headed as a music team. Doesn't mean we don't love you. Doesn't mean we're not for you. But I believe that God gifts us all with things. And when we find our true gifting, it's just not hard. It's just not. Now, the the middle ground of that is you're going to have musicians and you're going to have leaders that have um, a glimmer of a talent and a gift in them that needs to be developed and needs to be called out. And that's a totally different animal. Okay, so let's go there. Let's say you have a drummer that like really week after week struggles with with playing to a click or in the audition process. Like you can see some raw potential, but it's just not ready for Sunday morning. How as you as a leader, how do you pour into that person that may not be ready for the standard you've set for Sunday morning, right. but there's that willingness and that desire to grow. And how do you turn it from like saying no to maybe saying not yet yeah. and then being able to pour into that person so that they can one day possibly be at the waterline of where you need things to be in the ministry? Yeah, I don't think we can help people by not telling them the truth. And this is where it gets tricky, <clears throat> but... You know, I, I audition, I've auditioned a lot of different people, and I just have learned that loving people is being, try to be with the spirit, the spirit of God's leading, try to love them well by communicating in a way that builds them up, regardless of what the audition thing sounds like. So I've gotten auditions from like some female singers that'll send it in, and it's like, I try to find anything positive I can build up. Hey, you're really i mean you're really good with pitch like your pitch is dead on your power and the breath that you're giving is is really struggling it's almost like i i believe you're like one-fifth of what you have capacity to do so here's what i want you to do i think you can grow in this i think you can get better i'd love for you to take some voice lessons for a season and then come back sing for us and see where you are if that's what you want to do if you're willing to put in that that work 
you're willing to go for it, then we'd love for you to, to try. You just mentioned a drummer. Drummers are my pet peeve. Some drummers hate me because I'm like brutal on them. I believe that the drummer, because it's such a pivotal foundational instrument, they're the they're the captain of the ship. They're steering the ship with the rudder. Oh, the the, the entire song, the feel comes from the drums. Yeah. No, we're kindred spirits in this, and I'm 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 a drummer by nature, yeah. and the drummers that play for me probably say the same thing about me because they're, they're like, "Gosh, I can't get anything past Dave. Yeah. Like, if it's not a certain way, it's it, you know I, I get called out on it." But there's so much of that feel mm-hmm. that comes from that comes from the drums. Anyway, no, I feel you on that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's again saying, Hey, you just need to work at it more or this is our standard. And I'm not trying to make a plug, but I will make a plug, Dave. Um, one of the tools that I was ridiculously excited about when it came out was our friends at multi-tracks and loop community has a similar thing. But, um, when I came into the church in San Francisco, you know, they would tell you we hadn't been playing to a click and, Anytime I hear people push back from playing with a click, I know it's because they can't. Because most people, the professional musicians, that's what they do. They play with a click. So if people get upset about a click or, hey, you're asking us to do this, it's because it's it's not easy because they haven't done it. But I would tell every musician listening, professional musicians play to a click until they get to the point where they lock in so well that they know what it feels like to play music where every now and then they don't have to play with one, but they're professionals then. So our team at Epic, I love it. These were precious musicians. And we started locking in with this iPad app playback and we would load in parts to songs. We used rehearsal mix on planning center. Each musician had to learn their part. And some of the musicians and even myself, it's like, do I really have to learn this exact part? And I would say yes for now. Because we want to go through a period where we know what it's like to learn a part that someone else has already come up with that on the back end we know is going to combine and go into a puzzle that's going to fit together nicely. And everybody's going to go, wow, this sounds great. So it's not just everybody doing their own thing. So when I was at Epic, we went used the playback app. We used multi-tracks. And I would just choose songs and pull in some you know, helps from time to time because I wanted all of our musicians to know what it feels like to be a professional musician. And man, you know this, once you feel that, everybody looks at each other and goes, this feels tight. Like, what is that? I'm like, man, that's what we're going for. And once you taste it, once you experience it, once you feel it as a church band, there's no going back. So it's like, these are training wheels, but they're, oh, they help so much, you know? And I know from being in the studio for so many years and playing on records and everything, it really is about knowing when to play and not to play. Yeah. And so with, with some of these tools that are at our, our disposal now, it makes it so easy for you as a guitar player, as a drummer, as a bass player, as a vocalist to go, hey, this is not that hard. I'm just going to learn my part. You know, in high, in the high school chorus, <laughs> I don't know if you guys... Whatever in high school chorus or elementary chorus growing up, we do these Christmas cantatas or right. whatever show you have, and they would break us up into parts, but we didn't know it. And they would say, hey, you um, you guys, this is your part for the song. And th- they didn't even tell us there were other parts. They would just teach us, like, this is the tenor part to this Christmas song, <laughs> right? And so they're playing the melody on the piano, and for like three weeks, all we're doing is these specific melodies. And then a week before the cantata... You know, they get everyone together in the same room, the ladies, the men, and we didn't know the other parts had been taught. 
All we knew is we knew our part. Right. And we would get, I'll never forget it. It's the Cap Christian Academy in Atlanta, Georgia. We get together in this choir room and all of a sudden we'd sing the song. And it was like, unbelievable. There's four part harmony going on here. And we're, none of us are tripping up because we know our part, right? Right. It's the same thing as a worship band. If you can focus on parts, you can focus on less is more, learning your part, and then coming together as a team with a solid beat, play into a click. Oh, it feels so good. Man, that's so encouraging. Are you ready now for the bonus round? I'm absolutely ready for the bonus round. <laughs> I sense Come a little on, bit of fear, but like, okay, let's do this. No, man, go for it. Try to stump me. <laughs> bonus round coming at you in three, yep. two, coming. one. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Early riser or night owl? Early. God comes up with the sun. Cat or dog? Dog. Crunchy or creamy? Creamy. Favorite social network? Instagram. What's a hidden talent that you have that only a few people know about? Astrophotography. Really? Yep. How long have you been doing that? When we had our first son Chandler 21 years ago, there was a comet in the sky called Hale-Bopp. I convinced my wife to let me get a telescope. I saw Saturn and Jupiter for the first time with my own eye, and it changed me forever. Fast forward four kids, like I never looked outside, I never did astro anything until about two or three years ago. And I started getting into astrophotography because digital cameras were way better now than film back then. And it's it's my joy. I'd look for a clear sky night with no moon all the time and photograph nebula and galaxies and all that kind of thing. But it's a way for me to worship, honestly. And I will say hobbies, if you're a musician or in ministry at all, hobbies will save your life. Um, you've got to have something you do that just is fun that you can pour some time into that, you know, for me, it's a great way to connect with God. Just get out there alone and take pictures. That's fantastic. I would have never known that. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> All right. That's the bonus round. Good job. That was really, really awesome. Thanks, Dave. So I've been watching what you've been doing with, with Worship Circle. And obviously you've poured into people with 722 and at North Point and uh, now kind of on different coasts, so to speak. But uh, the thing that you're doing with Worship Circle as far as being able to take in a group of people and lead them through some things and help them to get the training that goes beyond. Because a lot of times you put someone on the stage, it's like, you sing good, you play good, <laughs> yeah. you should be able to lead worship. Right. And there's so many other components to that. And and people find find them in that place where they, they realize, okay, I'm a little in over my head because this is so much more than just being able to sing well or play well. And mm-hmm. so you have been for the last couple of years or so really pouring in to worship leaders and having people like yourself and Paul Blosh and, and others that have been able to, to, to take the experiences that they have had and pour into these people. So as, as you've been doing this, how have you seen these worship leaders grow with Worship Circle? Well, our purpose, Dave, is that leaders would know they're loved and not alone. And I didn't, when we started Worship Circle, it is about mentoring. And we've prayed about leaders, Christy Knuckles, Kim Walker-Smith, Paul Balash, Meredith Andrews, Charlie Hall's with us now, Jeremy Riddle. God led us to leaders who are real humble. They're servants. And although they have a platform in front of a lot of people, we just watched their life and as we got to know them, I, w- I was like, I want other leaders to benefit from their DNA. So the worship leaders that jump in worship circle, a lot of them haven't been to school. 
for worship leading. Uh, you know, they're either moms or, you know, a little past the college age or going to school. And we've just, we just grab all our collective years of worship leading. A lot of it is the mistakes we've made, the things that other people have taught us that we want to pass on to leaders. But we do it in small group community online. And we find that leaders who jump in, they become lifelong friends and they're known by these precious leaders just like them from all over the world, literally in small group community. They remember their names the rest of their life, their stories, and they grow together. And literally, we just pass on our life and everything we've learned, each of these mentors to them and send them on their way. And so the benefit is having a community that you're known by for the rest of your life having tools like this next session coming up. We start in October, but it's how to communicate with confidence, how to build a healthy team culture, how to hear from God, how to lead from a place of rest, how to craft song sets that engage, write songs for your church, follow the Holy Spirit and leading worship. Each of our coaches handles one of these topics. We have guests like Louis Giglio and Matt Redman jumping in, but I just really, Dave, wanted to give leaders around the world access to friends that I know if they were just to be around these people, to sit under their leadership, under their pastoring, under their teaching, their life would never be the same. And so we've trained over 180 leaders over the past four years by now in small groups. We have seven small groups right now. We have a podcast called the Worship Circle Podcast. And uh, we're just, my wife Carrie and I are just having a blast loving on leaders. And it's a joy to be able to serve them. Well, and there's something about, too, just being able to, like you kind of said earlier in the show, just when when we when we see something, we want to, to emulate it and we see something of value. So I would imagine some of these people that are jumping onto Worship Circle and just that 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 weekly or whatever, that's just that constant being able to see what they do, kind of see bits and pieces of their DNA, yeah. and even to have that opportunity to for them to whisper into these leaders, absolutely little things left in. I would imagine you've you've seen you've seen a lot of change in these worship leaders. Absolutely, and my biggest, my greatest joy. We do a conference called Rest. It's, we've got a retreat in January. There's a few spots left. If you go to worshipcircle.com forward slash rest, you can find out more about it. But one of the biggest changes we see is just in what I talked about earlier in the podcast is that leaders learn who they are authentically on this earth with the gifts God's given them, the story God's given them. And we walk beside them to help them understand and know how to unlock their God-given story, their God-given powerful identity in Christ, and share that from the platform and share that with their team. And it's it's so fun. We've, we're, we've been doing it four and a half years now, and we're going to keep on. It really did surprise me that Todd didn't see himself as a leader at first, that even when someone said that you should develop the leaders on the team, that we think you'd be really good at this, he kind of went into it reluctantly. And I guess that's because... I've always seen the effects of all this in the latter years, and when I see Todd doing what he does, I assume that he's always been doing this, that it's always just come naturally. And that's the reason that I bring all this up, because we all probably look at someone like Todd and recognize his his ability to lead, and then we compare that to our own lives and our own situation, and we think, yeah, that's just not for us, that where he's at and where I'm at are just so different when the truth is 
Ta was once where we started too. It doesn't matter the size of your church or the size of your ministry. You can be intentional about seeking out potential giftings in others and then work towards calling that out little by little or whisper by whisper, as Todd puts it. And before you know it, you're surrounded by seasoned leaders who can then help you lead the ministry and make it better than you could ever imagine. And Worship Circle is a great place to get started. They're already taking applications for April 2019, which might seem a ways off, but this leadership thing is a long-term game and it's never too late to get started. Todd also has a great podcast called The Worship Circle Podcast with guests like Pat Barrett and Kristen Stanfield and Steve V. And I have easy to find links for all this and more at practicalworshiplaw.com slash podcast eight. I've mentioned this before, but back in August, I started at a new church. I'm now the worship pastor at Cherokee Hills Baptist Church in the Northwest Oklahoma City area. So I'm a few months in, and I absolutely love what I'm getting to do and the people that I'm getting to do it with. But essentially, after being at my previous church for over five years, I'm starting over. So one of the things that I've been doing at the YouTube channel is documenting this journey of starting over. I have a video that I created a while back when I was at the six-week mark, and I'm about to release episode number two of that video series now that I'm almost about three months in. And I figured many of us have had to start over at some point in our ministries, and maybe you can benefit from some of the things that I'm learning as I'm starting over in ministry. You can check out the show notes for a link to that video series and more at the Practical Worship YouTube channel. This has been the Practical Worship Podcast. Thanks again so much for listening. I'm Dave Dolphin, and let's do this again next month. Whether it's a record we've listened to, sorry, I'm an old person, <laughs> or whether it's something we've streamed.